We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. This episode is brought to you by some of our amazing patrons over on Patreon. Thank you to Andy Maven. Thank you so much to John. Thank you to Tova Bittner. Thank you to Michelle Vo. Thank you, Andrew Gray. Thank you, Rebecca Gonchak. Thank you so much to Anna. And also to the other Anna, Anna <laughs> Thirakul. <laughs> Thank you both. (laughs) If you would like your name read on one of our episodes, get that shout out. You can support us on Patreon for $10 a month. If you support us at that level, you also get a video feed of our weekly bonus episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell, and this week we're going to tackle topics like when your partner writes a novel about his ex, (laughs) (laughs) right? Struggling with monogamy and sharing versus oversharing. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, Mm -mm. relationship people, Mm -mm. didn't go to to school for this. Right. We're just podcasters. (laughs) Like literally, right. like literally, that's that's it. That's what we do. Yeah. Yes. So please take Sam and I's <laughs> advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer all our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So Sam, this week's check-in topic is inspired by a listener. Um, I recently asked our Facebook or excuse me, our Instagram about what check-in topics questions they wanted to. They wanted us to answer, and this one is, do you share your passcode with your partner slash do you know your passco- your partner's phone passcode? Basically, mm. summarizing anything like, do you know your partner's passwords or like, do you have access to their phone? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Peter has told me his passcode multiple times. I know I never remember it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm holding his phone to like change the music or something right, and I'm right. like wait what is it totally it has like a four in it yeah. I don't remember um and Peter knows my passcode because it's also the code to the garage yeah. so like, we're, we're like we're really cool with that <laughs> good I, I am too I, I like I'm I respect people's right to privacy and I like when mm-hmm. our listeners write in about Um, feeling jealous or insecure or maybe feeling like somebody wants a little too much access to you like I do believe in everybody's got different boundaries and everybody has different like everyone has different triggers for what makes them feel safe and and like their privacy is safe you know Mm -hmm. but that being said uh, for the first time in my fucking life my partner knows my passcode and I know hers Honestly, mm-hmm. because of practical reasons, like changing the music while we're on a road trip, <laughs> you know? Right. And I, yeah, I, exactly. I, honestly, I know Willow's passcode only by like muscle memory. I don't think I could say it to you, but, and, and I think she's more like you, like 
she vaguely knows it because it's also my pin number. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like everyone's going to come break into my garage. <laughs> They're going to watch you at a coffee shop and then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I said that out loud, but um, I don't I don't think Willow um like actively remembers it, but it's something that I feel open about. And honestly, I'm happy to talk about this because like I said before, I definitely respect everybody's different boundaries um, and, and different triggers from past relationships. But for Mm -hmm. me, being this open and trusting of Willow to like not go through my private conversations and to trust myself not to go through her private conversations is very Mm -hmm. like healing. It's a very like cathartic exercise that I do because in the past, I think I would have definitely taken advantage of that. Or in the past, I was trying to hide things from my partner. (laughs) Mm. And so like, it feels, it feels good to, to trust and be trusted and it, and like mm-hmm. it's a simple way for me to like f- to exercise that healing um for sure not for everybody though i don't think yeah i mean i could definitely foresee or i could see a situation where you wouldn't want that like i mean i think that if peter and i weren't together for this long and i didn't trust him so much I would all I would feel uncomfortable yes. giving him my passcode. Not because I necessarily have anything to hide, but because like if I didn't trust him and thought he was gonna like go through my stuff. Totally. That's like an invasion of privacy that I'm not comfortable with. Right. Right. Like even if I don't, even if I'm not like cheating, the right. idea of somebody like going through my private correspondences with my mom or like my right. best friend right. is like I don't like that one bit, but like Peter knows my passcode because I trust that he's not going to do that. Right. So I want to say that too, that like not wanting to give someone your passcode doesn't necessarily mean you're that untrustworthy. Yeah. Bad is happening. Totally. Right. Like it is sort of like I can, first, I could see a situation if somebody was had a habit of going through my things yes, or like totally. told me that they're what they went through their ex's private stuff. Right. Like that I would also be like, well, I don't, you haven't really proved yourself trustworthy with this information. And even though I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't want you to go through it. Cause I know that there are going to be people out there who's like red flag, red flag. If they don't give you your passcode, then like they're obviously hiding something. And I don't, I I don't necessarily think that has to be true. I totally agree. It can be for sure, but I don't think it has to be true. And the bummer of the situation is I don't think there's like a formula or a timeline that we can be like, and this is when you can give your passcode away or this is when they should give you their passcode or whatever. There's no shoulds mm-hmm. or timelines or or anything in this. I think that we have very comparable experiences in which we just we grew that trust and comfortability and it just became an it became a nothing decision. But in the beginning mm-hmm. of relationships or in certain relationships, this is very much not a nothing decision. It's very much a. Um, a decision with weight and consequences. So I think there's 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 reason to be said for both and no no right or wrong path. Interesting mm-hmm. conversation though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like there's it sort of depends on your relationship and the the parameters of your relationship. Do you share like passwords? Not explicitly, but I would. Right. No, right? I, like- I agree. <laughs> I think we have like shared accounts where the password is like it's not this, but it would literally be like Opal is cool. You know, yeah. it would be like something yeah. that we could both remember. <laughs> yes, we definitely have those passwords too for like our our like shared Amazon yes, account or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. um yeah, but like also we're married. So if I die, right, like he's gotta get into yes. my bank oh account. Oh my god, <laughs> so I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like he needs to have that password for sure. Yeah, we recently had the most married conversation, which is, should we make a joint document with all of our passwords on it? <laughs> we have, we have one of those. Yep. And I was mm-hmm. like, do you remember when we used to have like sex every night? <laughs> 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 I love my relationship. Um, and I love my not daily sex. <laughs> uh-huh. That's great. Anyway. Okay. Well, that was a fun check-in topic. Do you want to get into some letters? Let's do it. All right. This first letter is 
from Not His Views, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from The Void. Dear Sam and Sierra, your podcast has brought me so much comfort and self-reflection over the past two years. I absolutely love the thoughtful, nuanced approach you take to common but complicated relationship problems, platonic and otherwise. I'm reaching out to you now for the first time because I want some of that sweet, sweet insight. (laughs) So let's get to the heart of it. Last week, my partner, male 29, shared the storyline of the novel he started, and the main character is basically his ex-girlfriend, a young woman working in media with a specific mental health issue. For context, my partner and his ex were together for a fucking decade. They broke up because, unfortunately, his ex has severe mental health issues, and after years of trying to make it work, my partner had to let go. He met me four months later, although he led me to believe his breakup was longer ago than this, and we hit it off. We have been together for two years now, moved in together, and are really happy. I really love this man, but I would be lying if I said his previous relationship isn't a sensitive topic for me. On my bad days, it feels like the length and intensity of this past relationship makes our current one feel less valid. I've done a lot of head and heart work to remind myself that this isn't the case, to believe my partner when he says that he loves me, and this isn't a rebound relationship. But the whole novel storyline has thrown me. I know it's not for me to decide what he writes about, but it does make me so uncomfortable. It seems so obvious to me that this story is about his ex, but he told it to me so casually and was confused when I was a bit quiet and distant, freaking out internally afterwards. I don't want to bring up my feelings about this to him because honestly, I don't want him to know how insecure this makes me. So now I'm left here with my own thoughts silently panicking. Do you think this is a red flag or am I just overthinking this? As an anxiously attached person, how do I process this? Should I talk to him about this? If so, how do I navigate this conversation without sounding crazy? Even if you don't read this one, I just want to say that I have so much love and respect for you for what you guys are doing. I listen every single week as it is an hour of guaranteed peace and laughs. Aw. Mm-hmm. All my love, not his muse. All right, not his muse. What a lovely letter. And thank you so much for your sweet words and for trusting us with this. Um, I want, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this, Sam, because you, you highlighted this one as like a, we should answer this. Um, Mm. And this is also, I want to hear your thoughts because this is obviously like very personal to me as a creative person who writes for a living. (laughs) Um, And I have, I have, had similar like i've had uh, conversations like this that were like a cousin to this letter about like intimate relationships but writing about the past or being mm. inspired by past past relationships while in a new one and and also this is this letter is like close to my heart because i'm an anxiously attached <laughs> person um i thought it would resonate yes. for sure so like this is my life it's like i'm in this photo and i don't like it sort of thing this is my life but i'm also not sure i could handle it gracefully if the tables were turned <laughs> you know um sure. so what drew you to this letter oh just that i dated somebody who did a, a an entire fringe <laughs> show about I his ex about that I yeah, forgot about that. Where he uh, basically sat on a stool and told the story of, of his entire relationship with his ex. And that was the whole show. Um, so it, it resonated with me because I was like, yeah, I remember this feeling. Yeah. Of like, what the fuck is happening? Um, this doesn't necessarily feel the same to right, me. Because right. like, that was like explicitly like, I'm going to go stand up in front of a lot of people and say this. Um, and this is more like, he's writing a novel that seems to be inspired by this yeah, person. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to like same same this, but uh, it was a it was definitely a a time in my life. I'll tell you I'll tell you what. Um, one thing I have never heard the phrase same same. Mm. Is that a thing people say, or is, are you just like same same Sam? Like that was your thing. Um, I think we say it a lot at work. Oh, when people are doing this thing, the thing where somebody shares an experience, and then they're like, "Yeah, me too, that oh. happened," but it's like not because they're like different experiences. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Called, like same same. Got it. Thanks. Okay, and second thing is I can I remember at a book release show my life before just break up I was a full-time poet. I have four books published and a lot of times when I'm trying to write those books <laughs> I'm trying to like pull inspiration from past experience 
And I remember mm-hmm. one time at a book release show, a friend of my current partner at the time was like, is this hard for you to my partner at the time? You know, is it hard for you to hear all these poems that are like, are very obviously not about you because they're, <laughs> they're like, the poems are like, you are awful and terrible to me. And you know, right. but yep. in like poetic yep. terms. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, really? That's not it. That's not how it sounds. <laughs> yeah. You're not snapping. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, so to to you, letter writer, um, not his muse, um, I feel a little conflicted, not because I don't relate to the emotions you're feeling, but because I'm looking at it from the perspective of a creative person or, you know, like a, a, a writer. And, you know, what's the first thing they tell us to do is write what you know, write from your experience, mm-hmm. even in fiction. Um, and that kind of helps ground the creative process. Am I invalidating your feelings absolutely not absolutely not especially because you have an anxious attachment style it's so important for you to make space for these feelings to tell your partner about these feelings to ask Mm -hmm. his support in processing them it's just important Mm -hmm. to highlight in this scenario like while this is a part of a natural part of the creative process these feelings are wildly valid and also, we can work to change our relationships to these feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think that we're talking about his perspective on it as a way to help you sort of see that perspective, not as a way to like invalidate right. what you're saying, right? Um, because you know, writing a novel about it is one way to process through old relationships, but it's important to remember that we're always processing through old relationships in our current relationship with our partners, right? We don't come as blank slates. And the fact that he wants to grapple with it, I think is like a healthy thing. Like the fact that he wants to like figure out how to tell the story and like move through it, like means that he's thinking about it and not just like suppressing it and like letting all of this baggage sort of um, affect your relationship in ways that aren't aren't like on the surface, right? Like that aren't in your awareness. What a so, great like, perspective, right? Like I think it's good that he's he's trying to figure this out by writing it. I'm also somebody who writes things to like help process through. Like that's that is one of my ways of doing it. So I appreciate that he's doing it because I think that that's a a really good and healthy way to to move through it. And having been on the receiving end of that experience <laughs> of like. Now you're doing a friend show about your ex, huh? <laughs> um, I can tell you that it's a really, I, I understand it's, it's a really uncomfortable experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and my ex was unhealthy in a lot of different ways. So like, I don't want to pretend like, <laughs> yeah. like that was not a good experience for me for multiple different reasons. Um, but I do think that like talking to your partner about this is a totally legitimate way to help you get what you need in the situation, which again is sort of like a little bit of validation, right? Anxiously attached people are looking for their partners to help cure or like alleviate some of their anxiety. So you're not nuts for thinking that this is a, a challenging thing to right. be going it through. It is challenging. Right? Like, yeah. It is for sure. Like you are not, you're not making this up. Like this is a, this is definitely something that would feel really sticky for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and in my experience was really sticky and weird. So um, you're not overthinking it. And you're not being ridiculous in this situation. And you can talk to him about it, right? Like bringing it up doesn't make you like a, um, doesn't mean that you're like making things up or you're being dramatic. Like you can, you can have this conversation with him in a way that like validates both his feelings and your feelings. Yeah. A couple of thoughts. I love what you said about that. We are all processing past relationships all the time in different ways. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whether somebody's writing a novel or a poem or just literally silently thinking, having a revelation to themselves, you know, mm-hmm. in the car six years after a relationship ended, like, oh, dang, that's why that person acted that way. Or this is what that means to me. Like we all kind of do that processing um, in different ways. And it might be a helpful tool, as Sam said, to shift this and see the see the benefit in him doing this. And mm-hmm. just like Sam said, like the tables were turned. I would have to do some I would I would literally speak to a therapist about this. <laughs> like that's how much it would <laughs> impact me. And I would speak to a therapist not for them to 
changed my mind about my feelings, but for them to give me different perspectives and tools to navigate those feelings. Of course, mm. it feels it's it, it triggers insecurity because your ex has a character based excuse me, your partner has a character based on his ex. Like that would trick that would that that is that makes so much sense. But I don't think that this is something like we we all have histories. We all draw from those histi- histories, whether creatively or non-creatively, to impact our mm. present time. Another thing that came up for me is the feeling that your relationship won't compare to the weight and the gravitas of this past relationship. But I want to encourage you to shift your thinking about what makes a quality, meaningful relationship. I had an epiphany on this podcast like two years ago that a quality relationship isn't necessarily one that lasts 50 years. A quality relationship is one in which you show up fully, authentically as yourself, that you grow alongside each other and together, that you meet each other where Mm. you're at, and that you two, you could be together for nine months. Like you could meet that soulmate, that perfect life enriching relationship at 75, right? And be with them until the day you die. And that doesn't, like it's not about making it to that 50 year anniversary it's about making something quality now so i want i want to challenge you to shift your perspective about the weight of that relationship don't get me wrong do i relate to that anxiety absolutely i'm like counting down mm. the fucking days in the most insecure part of my body to when my relation my marriage is going to outlast willow's longest relationship <laughs> like that's so like, like that is so vulnerable but like honest of me to admit that like i have that inner timeline in my head Um, do I think about it every day? Do I allow that small piece of trivia to take me away from the present value of my relationship? No. But do I relate to your anxiety? Absolutely. But I know Mm. that even my relationship right now, shorter than my partner's longest relationship, I know that this relationship is is of more quality because she cho- she chose me. She's choosing me. She, you know, like mm-hmm. the foundation that we have built is a healthier one than than her and her ex had. Um, so shift sh- shift your perspective on 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 what's feeding that insecurity. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I love that. And I'm also like, wasn't Willow's longest relationship, didn't it end really dramatically? Really dramatically. We don't have to talk <laughs> yeah, that, like, about that right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> so like, obviously, I think this one's going better no, oh, so me far. me too. I'm just like counting now, like as soon as we pass a certain anniversary, I'm going to be like, yeah, told you so. <laughs> that is like the pettiest, most unhealthy, insecure part of me, which always fucking shows up on the podcast, of course. <laughs> And I'm like, no, down, real. down, that's you real. troll. <laughs> that's how I imagine um, my insecurity. For sure. Um, so I think that you can for sure talk to your partner about this and you can do it in a way that both validates him and you. Right. So you can say, I am so thankful and appreciative that you are um, and excited for you that you're writing this novel. Candidly, I think that this character sounds a little bit like your ex. And then you can approach with curiosity and be like, is that true? What's going on for you? Like, what are what are you processing through with this as well? And then you can also say, um, I don't need you to stop writing this book and I don't need you to like do anything differently. But I just want you to know that like this is a little bit challenging for me to know that you're writing this book that's so close to this person that you're really that you dated for 10 years. Um And that insecurity is not about you or about anything that's happening in this situation necessarily. But I just want to tell you this so that you know that this is something that I'm working through. Right. And then absolutely. And that offers the opportunity for you to get really curious about what he's feeling, because, you know, you might be making an assumption. Right. Or he might not even be aware that this is happening. Right. There are lots of different ways that this could be playing out. And the only way we can get to more clarity is by having this conversation with each other and being really curious and you can share your feelings in a way that is honors them and recognizes that they're yours and that they're valid and that allow him to validate them too, right? Which it sounds like he's a really great guy who's been supporting you these past two years in some of your anxious moments. Um, so I have faith that he's going to be really great again in this situation. Um, 
because you two are choosing to be together, right? You're not a rebound. You are not any less important than this 10-year relationship. Uh, and I think that he will be able to offer you a little bit of the validation that, you're, that your little anxious heart needs. You're beautiful, not flawed in any way, anxious little heart. Or inherently flawed as we all are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, honestly, if you like go through this podcast, my affirmations flip flop between being like, you're perfect. And like, you're inherently flawed. <laughs> it's a little bit of a contradiction in like the mental health or like the affirmation world, but you get what for I'm sure, saying. For sure. I do. I do. Yes. All right. My darling, not his muse. We hope that this helps and good luck. We know, we know that you can do this. Absolutely. We love you so much. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because <laughs> love it. <laughs> honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Roly Poly, whose pronouns are she and her, who's writing from the dirt. <laughs> Hi, Sierra and Sam. I appreciate the time, heart, and energy you continue to put into your work. I am constantly in awe of the way you so intentionally create space for individual experience while also normalizing and validating so widely. Love everything you do. I am writing with the recent realization that I might be poly. My whole life, I have always struggled with monogamy. I have always felt love and affection for multiple people at once and have a lot of shame and guilt about it. 
For a lot of people, some close friends included, non-monogamy seems like the worst thing that you could do. To be honest, I have made mistakes. I have cheated. I have lied. I have led people on and hung on to people whom I shouldn't have. I know the ways I have wronged, and yet I still can't seem to shake the desire to form deep, intimate connections everywhere Mm. I go. I don't just mean sexual either. I mean intimacy, like really long conversations and sharing new experiences together. I think I could be happy never going on a trip with the same person twice. The problem, in quotes, I have is that I'm having all these feelings as a heterosexual cisgender white female who has been in a great relationship for four years. Before this relationship, I thought my desires for multiple people at once, even while in relationship, was just because I didn't really like the person I was with. Now, as I am with someone who I can see myself marrying and who is my best friend, I still feel the same desires towards loving other people too. It makes me feel greedy, ungrateful, and icky. I have a fantastic partner, and yet I feel so drawn to love that is vast and reaches more people. We have tried an open relationship before, and I felt free. My partner, however, felt it was a disaster of an experience. My appearance can come off as, for lack of a better word, very vanilla. This, along with being a woman in America, has made it more difficult for me to feel justified in my romantic preferences for fear of being seen as inauthentic and being judged. Who am I to want to love others when I am so deeply loved by one? Hmm. My question is this, how do I know if I'm poly versus just like getting attention or feeling loved? I don't want to make excuses for mistakes I have made. And at the same time, I feel I fundamentally differ from a lot of individuals on what is right for relationships. I appreciate your time. Once again, thank you for hearing me out and already making me feel seen. I love that we don't have to do any work and and she already feels seen. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> keep keep that feeling going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you so much for uh, writing Roly Poly or is it Raleigh Polly? Yeah, I think it's. Ra- I know. Yeah, I know. That was but part I would have. Yeah, issue it's a that bit. I was having with it's a bit. <laughs> the name. <laughs> we'll say RP just to save ourselves any embarrassment. There we go. Yes. Um. Thank you so much for writing RP. Um. I am so grateful for this question, um, particularly surrounding some conversations and some work that I'm doing in my life right now. I am in a practicing monogamy relationship or however I want to say that right now. Um, And it's not that my partner and I are looking at opening up our relationship, but we are, I'm working to demonogamize my mind, especially as somebody who exists in the self-help and relationship advice realm, I realized that there's so, there's this, there's this lens of assumed monogamy that we see the world through, that we were Mm -hmm. really uh, conditioned to see the world through at at young ages. Um, And part of why I'm doing that is so that I can like better answer these letters to you all. (laughs) But another Mm -hmm. reason why I'm doing that is because monogamy is not just the lens through which we assume things about relationships. We assume things about our partners as well, that we assume that they are our possessions. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we assume that they can't have feelings for other people, that they can't be attracted to other people. Or like, there's a lot of this like weird implied monogamy when we, when we approach relationship problem solving. And I, and I think it's really unhealthy and weirdly like capitalistic and sexist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I've been just trying to, I've been trying to, not just be open to non-monogamy in our letter writers and, you know, like I have no problem with it morally at all, but I just mean like mm-hmm. opening my mind to it in general f- for every reason, in addition to helping my monogamous relationship so that like, I don't assume things of my partner that aren't realistic or natural. Like my partner's going to like have attraction to other people. That's just like a part mm-hmm. of, especially the guy who plays, Aquaman, like Willow's really into him. <laughs> and Do you know I I saw him at a restaurant in what? Malibu once? Yeah. How was that? I'll, I'll tell Willow that later. It was fine. It just was like, oh, there he is, and he's like, no, he's, he's like a, six five, oh, and yeah. it's like, like huge. Yeah. So he was like a presence in this like tiny restaurant we were in. Um, it was great. I didn't like talk to him or anything. Well, that was probably like the hottest meal you've ever eaten in your life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Talk about hungry. <laughs> um, anyway, 
So I'm so grateful for your question because in uh, like very similarly to the same work that I'm doing, I see in you that a lot of the foundations of your question are based in a monogamist thinking, based in a, a monogamous world, right? Um, mm -hmm. There is this polyamorous educator that I recently have been following, um, actually inspired by a DM from one of our listeners. There, her handle is um, Lavita Loca thirty four. Her name is Lavita Sawyer's. She's a personal coach specializing in relationship dynamics and non-monogamy. She's a polyamorous educator, et cetera. And she posts these things, these quote tiles and resources online about polyamory. And one of the series she posts, which I find like the most like useful in terms of flip, turning that lens off, you know, turning off that monogamous lens is this series called non-monogamous answers to monogamous questions. Like for mm. example, it is, you know, the a monogamous question would be, don't you think you deserve someone who only wants to be with you? Well, there that like that is a well-meaning question, but it's from the lens of assumed mm -hmm. monogamy. And I see that right. in your letter. I know I'm getting a little long-winded, but I see that in your le letter, RP, so clearly, even your last main question, am I poly or do I just like getting attention or feeling loved? Let's take the lens off of that. What's wrong with wanting attention and feeling love? Number one, what's wrong? What What is, let's take away the assumed monogamy to say that that is something that you could, de that you should deny yourself. Um, and let's take away the monogamous lens from this question and it's, and, and, and take away the either or like, are you poly or? Or do you like these things, right? It's not mm -hmm. that. You could you could be poly and enjoy these things. It is not something that you need to justify in a way like, you know what that question reminds me of is like, am I bisexual or am I just selfish? You know? <laughs> sure. No, let's make space for a more diverse lived experience than than the 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 conditioned lens that we were given by media and our culture in childhood. Yeah, for sure. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think that it's important to remember, too, that like there are shades of this as well, right? Like capitalism, white supremacy, misogyny wants us to think in black and white, right? To say like you're either this or you're that. And what we know is that tra attraction and relationships exist in a wide array of of different experiences yes, and totally. different iterations right it's not a binary it's not even a spectrum it's sort of like so individual and also so diverse right um and so this idea again but and we're told that there's a one way to do it like a right way and then like maybe we can make space for like other ways but like this is the right way right right like it's monogamy is the thing and then there are like okay other things that are happening but really monogamy is like the inherent way that all humans operate in the world. And that we know that's not true, right. right? We are infinitely diverse. So I think that what you're struggling with is what I think a lot of people are probably actually struggling with, which is the reality that this one size fits all approach to relationships that we exist in isn't working really well for everyone, right? Like it's just not, it's not sustainable for lots of folks because like you, people have attractions to other people, right? People want to be in deep relationship with other with other folks that are outside of their one monogamous partner, right? It's and so I want to I want to validate in you that like you are whatever you are, right? You are whatever you say that you are and whatever your experience is. So if you are feeling like you are somebody who's polyamorous, then like you definitely are. You don't need to justify it to us. Like we see you, we believe you. We know that you're having these experiences because you're telling us about them. So you don't have to, you don't have to sort of live in this space of am I this or am I that? You just get to be whoever you are and we're going to believe that experience for you. Absolutely. And I'm going to do what Sam always does when I like validate someone. I'm also going to say, but the, the, that pressure to conform and the shame that you're feeling from these systems is also real. Like we, mm -hmm. we live in an undoubtedly monogamous presenting um, culture, just like mm -hmm. it, we present um, parenting, you know, like we, 
we assume that everyone is going to have children in their lives or assume everybody mm-hmm. is on a path to marriage or whatever. We have, we have, mm-hmm. we have these assumed paths and the pressure that you're feeling, you know, just like the letter writer a couple months ago to, to have children, even when they didn't want to have children um, is so real. And that can, that can make the process to, of living and being your most authentic self really challenging, especially when you may be mm. navigating a, a, a relationship dynamic in which one partner is polyamorous and the other one is not. That is a mm. dynamic that can exist, though, within the non-monogamous or polyamorous world. You know, there are there are resources and conversations happening out there for you and for your partner to help you navigate that. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean that this relationship is doomed because you want something that your partner doesn't want. Um, Mm. We know that there are hurdles and that there are, there are going to be really challenging conversations. Um, And we know that you might feel the stigma from culture, our culture to conform to this idea of monogamy. Um, But as Sam said, you can be, it sounds really it 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 sounds it's very obvious to me that this is something that you should explore in yourself. It sounds intuitive to yourself. Like and isn't that a lovely feeling mm. like you're describing yourself and I'm like, "Wow, that sounds like such a strong strong core in you. That sounds like a strong um current in you. You should follow it. You should see where that goes." Um mm. not that it won't be hard, but you deserve it. Absolutely. And I also just want to speak to the folks who are maybe in monogamous um, cisgender heterosexual relationships who heard what we just said about those systems of oppression and thought, oh, there's something wrong with my relationship, right? Or that felt maybe that deep shame that comes with sort of realizing that, like, you are not the you are not the problem, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. hierarchy of relationships that have that's the problem, right? right? If you are heterosexual, cisgender in a monogamous relationship and that's working really well for you, fantastic. Right. What we're talking about is the fact that that can't be the only or the best or the right relationship. Right. It's one of many ways that the that relationships can exist between pairs of people, multiple people, whatever that whatever is going to work for the people who are actively consenting to be in that relationship. Yeah. So um, just wanted to say that That's and also just point. really like reiterate or like echo what Sierra said too, is that like, there's nothing wrong with you inherently Raleigh, Raleigh, Polly RP <laughs> for, <laughs> for wanting these other relationships. And there are resources that you can use to help you figure out how to navigate this situation. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of existential stuff happening in this letter, and there's a lot of practical, tactical things that are happening oh in gosh, this letter too, real. right? And so you don't have to figure out the existential stuff before you figure out how to do the practical and tactical, right? Like you can you can say like, I'm going to put this big question I have about what I am on hold for a minute so that I can focus on the relationship. And that that is also okay too, yeah. right? Sometimes I think we just get bogged down in this like... I've got to figure out the whole thing before I'm able to do anything. And it's like, nope, you, you can, you can be in relationship right now with your partner and figure out what's going to work really well for what's you too before you, next. yeah, yeah, before you figure out what word you want to give yourself or what, what name you want for your relationship or for the way that you love people. And like Sam spoke to everybody, you know, in addition to RP, um, I want to challenge myself and my co-host and my all of our listeners and our letter writer to work on demonogamizing our minds. Like we often mm. try to solve problems within, within the systems that are restraining them or, you know, it's like right now we're mm-hmm. trying to, we're, you are trying to solve this que- non monogamous question with a monogamous answer. And that's, and that's only going to bring tension instead. If we, mm. if we try to liberate ourselves from those constraints what kind of empathy and curiosity can we apply when navigating our own personal hurdles? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, imagination. I've been thinking a lot about imagination recently and like what what different type of world or response or relationships can we imagine? Mm. Because right now the current system's not working and it's bad. <laughs> like, let's just say that explicitly. <laughs> So how can we use our imagination to like figure out 
to get rid of those constraints that we're placing right. ourselves under because like we're making this all up as we go friends like we made this we right. made we decided that monogamy was the right way to do it right and so we can decide something else yes totally <laughs> we can decide that there's like other ways of being in the world that don't have to fit into our presumed monogamy yeah that's what we presume everyone is gonna to be drawn towards and that's absolutely not true yes absolutely um, so we hope that this helps. We hope you feel like just that much more seen RP and that much more encouraged to continue that long journey into yourself. As Rumi says, um, I know that we barely touched on your current partner and, and the dynamics of that. Um, but obviously we thought that the most important thing was to validate this urge in you, validate this um, curiosity in you. We know that that, is, that might be like a long, arduous journey ahead of you, but we think it's one worth navigating to know yourself more intimately and more authentically. And Absolutely. I'm excited, Sam, for you and I to like practice this demonogamizing our lens um, because I realized I do so much assumption, even in our problem solving about mm -hmm. what, like, like you said about imagination and creativity, like what are the potential answers that we could give? You know, what are the potential solutions? And are we looking at those problems as monogamy, um, as monogamous problems mm -hmm. when we could be thinking about alternative solutions outside of the lens of monogamy? And on top of all of that final rant thing, just like you said, if if you're practicing monogamy out there like me and Sam are, and that's working for you, that's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just had to like validate everyone possibly ever. Like if your favorite yeah, color is blue, if you're left-handed, like if you don't own pets, like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm just with you. To, Let's just validate just everyone. Just try to include everybody. <laughs> All right, RP, Rolly Polly, Rolly Polly, we love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Our final letter comes to us from Pile of Goo, who is writing to us from New York. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I listen to you all the time and I love hearing your perspective. My question, I've been single for a long time, like my last serious relationship ended 10 years ago. I'm 41. And in the past three years have been seriously working through a lot of past trauma with a therapist. The pandemic lockdowns have been tough because I live alone and it's been driving me to swipe on dating apps. But then when I actually go on the dates, I don't even want to be there. <laughs> That's <laughs> every, so relatable. <laughs> every date has been so awkward. I'm not sure I'm ready to date yet because I'm so deep in healing these old wounds and have reopened old scars. I don't feel light or fun. And mm. I want to someday be vulnerable in a relationship, but I'm not sure what is the line between sharing and trauma dumping. <laughs> I love that phrase <laughs> because mm -hmm. I have literally never shared before. Do you have any perspective on dating while in the middle of a period of intense reflection and therapy? I feel like I am in the disintegrated stage between a caterpillar and a butterfly, like a pile of goo <laughs> in my chrysalis. An added thing is that I'm almost two years sober. Yay! Which has been amazing for me. But between that, all of my work in therapy and the pandemic, every part of dating feels like a difficult new terrain. Also, this isn't a question, but a response to episode 158, which I'm listening to right now. I so relate to the woman whose ex encouraged her to get breast augmentation. I had a similar experience when I was younger in which my boyfriend slowly pressured me to change the way I dressed to be sexier, change the underwear, wore to be skimpier, get waxed when I don't care at all about body hair, and I'm often happy going long periods without shaving. I look back at that younger self and wish I could hug her and tell her to ditch the man and keep the boy shorts and body hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Pile of Goo. All right, Pile of Goo. Um, I love this metaphor of <laughs> I do too. you were the caterpillar. Now you're just in the chrysalis and you're literally disintegrated. And you're like <laughs> waiting to come out and something really, really different. Um, and also, you know, one of the reasons why this question um, spoke to me is because I am also in the midst of 
undergoing some particular therapy around the trauma that I've experienced too. And I'm in a place where I'm like, people really want to talk about Netflix shows. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like this is happening. (laughs) And it's just like, it's really isolating. Like that's the only way that I can experience or I can, I can, the word that I can use for it is like, it just feels really isolating to be like, I'm going through this really big thing and it's heavy and it's profound and it's changing me. I hope in positive ways. And it's like a lot to tell people about, Mm. right? Like, uh, so I absolutely understand and relate to what you're saying. Um, and, and it is challenging. So I just want to like see you in that and recognize that like, it's not that you're not equipped to be able to handle the situation. It's just that the situation is really difficult to, to handle. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, totally. And it's like the point of time in your life when small talk feels really cheap, but opening up feels Mm. like a huge gamble because it's like, yeah, you can't like open up lightly. (laughs) You know, it's not like, oh, well, (laughs) here's like a teaspoon of my trauma, you know, or or whatever. Um, But to shift the perspective on that, like, isn't it amazing that you don't want to connect to somebody about the weather or like you don't want to have Mm -hmm. a superficial like that intimacy and that vulnerability that you you say that you want that might be really intimidating because you've never done it before but isn't it great that the alternative feels that you've grown to a point where the alternative feels unfulfilling like that is a a marker Mm -hmm. of growth for me right there um just to shift your perspective on that and i think you know I know you know this from therapy and congrats, by the way, on being in this huge transition and for being mm. this pile of of unrecognizable, empowered goo and for your two years sober. Um, you know that there is no timeline or deadline for healing and that healing is this lifelong process that you're not going to get to a point in which you are healed and then worthy of dating and worthy of of companionship and vulnerability. Instead, this is going to be this lifelong process and practice of learning more about yourself, returning to that goo state, learning what it feels like to be, to grow those legs and stand on them again. Um, And Mm. all, you know, if, if the goal is, or if one of your goals um, is to find a partner or partners who can meet you there, you know, who are capable of supporting and growing alongside you, that is a great goal. And I think that I feel comfortable in saying like, you could do that now if you wanted to, you know, there's no, there's no threshold Mm -hmm. of healing that you need to get to, to be worthy Mm -hmm. of, of love. But I do think there are times in our life in which when we are on our journey of healing, um, there are specific times in which solitude helps us along that journey or solitude mm-hmm. is beneficial to us. I think for me, this this doesn't sound like this is your experience, but for me, there are times of my journey in which I wish I took time to be single and to develop my relationship with my life or with myself more because I think I would have been less catastrophic in my own life and other people's. <laughs> um, sure. But... There are other times in which our soul is just screaming to us, saying what it needs. And again, I don't know the nuance of your life, but I'm not sure dating is what you want right now. You might want mm. vulnerability eventually, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel good to you, you, um, that's okay too, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think. I think probably also that like a lot of people aren't feeling very light or fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's, it's interesting because it's, it's sort of like a, a big paradigm shift. I think that a lot of us have been going through in the past, I don't know, two years, however long this pandemic and all of the, even before that, right. Of sort of recognizing the fact that like, we have a particular way of engaging with each other on the surface level. Um, and that's not really working very well. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not, I'm not in a place either where I feel very light and fun mm. often, mm. <laughs> right? Like it's a heavy and not fun time that mm. we're we're currently in. Um, and so I do wonder if there are ways that you can, you can let some people in, or you could even say that, right? Of being like, 
I know this is a first date. I'm having trouble recently in the past few years, ever since all this stuff is happening, being super light and fun. Um, and so like, and, and again, ask some curiosity too of like, what has this been like for you or yeah. what's going on with you? Right. Again, like we can sort of model what it means to sort of share some of our vulnerability with other people. And are people going to like that? Maybe not. Maybe there are some folks out there who are really into light and fun and not really into anything less than that. But you also want to find the people who are going to want to get beyond the light and fun or not beyond because you can be light and fun and also be a very depth, deep person. Yeah, too. totally. Um, but you're looking for somebody who is uh, maybe not into light and fun in the same way that other people are. So um, there are, what are some of the questions or curiosities that you can sort of bring and how can you share in a safe way that is not necessarily like trauma dumping, like you say, but is, but is acknowledging your own experience. Right. And I think for me as somebody who has a hard time sharing, right. And has this sort of idea of, um, I'm so damaged that if I show people all of me, they're going to run away or that sharing with people as a burden on people that it's really challenging. And it seems like you're struggling with that too. So I'll say that like, my guess is, is that you're not going to overshare. Yeah, <laughs> right? totally. Like my guess is, is that you're going to err on the side of not sharing. So I don't know that that's a, if you were a different letter writer and if you, you know, you wrote us literally one paragraph <laughs> about, <laughs> about your experience. Right. And we get letters from people who like three pages. pages. Yep. Right. Like single spaced, three pages of, of text, no paragraph breaks. Right. Just like, <laughs> boom. Right. So like if, if you had written a different letter, I might say something different. But the fact that you wrote about all of this to us in one paragraph to me means that like you're probably not doing a lot of trauma dumping on people. Right. Yeah. You're probably actually really struggling to share. And so I think that you're going to err on the side of being maybe more reserved, which Is I think... I say that to assuage your your anxiety around this, yes, right? Not that to, I don't think that's really something you're going to do. Yeah, and and kind of building off of that, the one of the last things I want to gift you with is a perspective shift that I believe in so deeply. Our worst traumas and the wounds and healings that come from them are not unattractive. Like we have been conditioned to think that mm. we need to present our most perfect, most unflawed and attractive versions of ourselves in order, in order to be worthy of not just love, but vulnerability and connection. Um, and I, like, to be honest, I, I don't want to fluff a light and fluffy relationship. <laughs> like I want to mm -hmm. know you intimately and I want to know the work that you're putting into yourself. Um, and so like Sam says, it doesn't sound like you're going to overshare. And if you did just like shift the perspective away from not what would, what terrible thing would happen if I overshared to mm -hmm. What wonderful connection could be made if I did overshare, if I shared enough of hmm. myself to want to be that the other person wanted me to, to see them fully too. Like I'm not, maybe this is just because I like live and breathe in oversharing <laughs> and that, and that vulnerability is like the only currency I want in relationships. But like if, if, in the past, when I was dating, if, if somebody wasn't able to talk to me about like their experiences and what they learned from them and what they're dealing with now, I would feel far from them. I would feel mm. I would I would be less interested in them. Not that I need not that I was like looking for a broken partner, but I was looking for somebody who knew themselves. And we don't walk through this world unbroken. All of us are broken, right? All of us have trauma and shit that we are processing through and dealing with and either growing from or growing over. And the ability to share that is a is an opportunity to be seen and to see others. And so this thing that you're scared of overdoing, I think is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I think is mm. is one path to connection. So I don't want you to think mm -hmm. about it as something that you need to hide or be ashamed of yourself. Honestly, m like pile of goo, if you wrote in your Tinder bio, like in therapy and doing a lot of work on myself, I would be like hot, swipe, you swipe <laughs> date on this person. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, sure. I, I know I'm not everybody, but 
again, let's 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 drop that lens of perfection, just like we're dropping the lens of monogamy, assumed monogamy, etc. We're going to drop that lens of I need to be perfect to earn people's love and respect and interest in me and instead say that I am I am inherently and beautifully flawed and this is part of my story and this is part of what makes me an interesting partner because I've worked through this shit. I have seen some things and I know myself so deeply. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thanks. That's great. <laughs> it's a helpful, that's a helpful perspective shift for me. So yeah. I felt like you were offering me advice. Yes. So thank you. <laughs> I want to know you, Sam. I want to like, I would much <laughs> rather talk to you about whatever you're going through than whatever Netflix thing I, I'm like sort of in, but like play Candy Crush throughout. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I'm only sure. so into those shows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pile of Goo. Um, obviously, I feel very kindred with you um, and appreciate that the advice that Sierra just gave you is also advice for me. <laughs> so thank you for that opportunity as well. Um, yeah, everything that Sierra said and and more. You are a... I'm so proud of you. That's all mm, I'll say in this. I'm I just so that. proud of you for going, for doing this work um, and for pursuing things that you want to pursue, for putting yourself out there, even though it doesn't feel super fun uh, often and just recognize that like you are not a pile of goo anymore. You are already a butterfly, right? right? You are a butterfly who is learning more about themselves and the, the, the stuff that they've been through. Um, but you are already you, you are already fully the yeah. person that you were meant to be. So absolutely. You are whole, even as you grow, or we're just all goo all the time. Like that, the goo yeah, is maybe the goal. That's it. <laughs> The butterfly is the myth, yeah, is an yeah. illusion. <laughs> yeah. The butterfly is the lens. So let's de-butterfly our thinking and just like yeah, instead accept that we're all piles of goo. <laughs> Perfect. That is way more on brand. <laughs> Absolutely. I can see it on a t-shirt now. <laughs> yes, 100%. All right, my darling, we obviously love you and believe in you so much. Um, we hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. This brings us to the blind date segment of the episode. Every show, we want to shout out something that we love to send you home with. And this week, we are setting you up with a movie because it is um, October. So it's officially scary movie season. Oh, yes. Our household is very into scary movies. Um, Peter has brought me into the scary movie world um, because he's obsessed with them. Uh, And we watched one on Netflix called His House, which is a story about... um, a couple, a man and a woman, um, who are refugees from South Sudan who move into a house in England. Um, and sort of uh, the house itself is like haunted or whatever. There's like things in the walls. It's it's scary. It's creepy. There's some jump scares. There's like a lot of creepy stuff that happens. It's like really well done. Um, and it's just an interesting take on sort of the experiences of trauma, the sort of the... The experiences also of refugees, too, of being sort of uncomfortable in the places where they are. It um, is written and directed by um, somebody who I believe has experience in that. Um, and it's just like it's just a really well done, scary movie and is just like a really interesting perspective um, yeah. on on that experience. So it was really well done. It was um, a fun thing to watch and also like I've been thinking about it since I saw it. So if you're into scary movies like me and want to uh, uh, movie. Uh, it's called His House on Netflix. I enjoyed it. I watched it a couple months ago. Very good. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can get your merchandise. Also, time out, really quick, tiny little story because it's a really short episode. Shout out to, <laughs> so Spencer, our producer, came to visit me this week and we went out to a happy hour on a patio and shout out to the server there who commented on my wife's just break up shirt and was like, I really love that podcast. And my wife was like, 
well... Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) These are the people who make it. So shout, hello, Milan, if you're listening. Thanks for serving us delicious food. And thanks for listening to our podcast. That's so funny. I know, it was so cute. It was so cute. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Please remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, producing music, already said that, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify and remember... Whatever is coming your way right now, whatever challenges you're facing, practice shifting your perspective on them. Maybe it's an opportunity to explore new boundaries. Maybe it's an opportunity to get to know yourself better. Maybe it's an opportunity to grow in that discomfort. Wherever you are, you are meant to be there. Trust and move through it with grace. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>